The first parak of the Masechta goes through all the different cases which would be brought to a basin for them to judge, and which type of basin is necessary for each case. There are three main types of basin. One is a basin of three dionim, three judges. One is a basin of 23 judges, which there would be in each city inside Eretz Yisrael. It was known as the Sanhedrin Ketana. And then there was the one single largest basin known as the Sanhedrin Gedola, and that consisted of 71 judges. And right now we're in the middle of discussing, the, of listing the cases which require only three day on him. And the first one regards a process called smicha, when an individual brings a korban, for example, if he violated a particular avira, and he's bringing a korban to atone for that avira. Before that korban is slaughtered, before they shech the animal which is going to be brought as a korban, the person bringing that korban needs to do smicha. Smicha means that he leans his entire body weight, he puts his hands on top of the animal and leans on the animal. And whilst he is leaning on the animal, he confesses over his sin. And in general, that only applies to korbanos brought by an individual. However, there are two korbanos brought by the entire Kalisrael, public korbanos, which also requires smicha, and one of them is that which the mission is talking about over, na- over here. That is a parhelem dovashal tzibur. The parhelem dovashal tzibur is a korban bought by, on behalf of all of the Jewish people, in a case where the Sanhedrin make a ruling, which is a mistaken ruling, and the majority of the Jewish people follow that ruling and end up violating an avera due to the mistaken ruling of Beistin. In such a case, the Sanhedrin bring a korban, which is called a parhelem dovashal tzibur, on behalf of everybody. And although in general a korban which is bought on behalf of everybody does not require smicha, over here the Torah explicitly says the that the elders, the member of the members of the basin of the Sanhedrin, need to lean their hands on the top of this bull. Now the Torah uses the word zikne, the elders referring to the members of the basin, in the plural, which means that at least two of them need to do it. But since a basin can never be an even number, it always needs to be odd, because we always, in the, in the ruling of basin, we always follow a majority, so there needs to be an odd number, so there will be a majority. And so that's how we learn that it would require three of the members of the, of the Sanhedrin to do that smicha. So that's the first one on the list, smicha zikenim, the leaning on the animal which is done by the members of the basin, that would require three of the members of the basin to do it. Varifas egla, the breaking of the neck of a calf. If somebody, if a dead body is found outside of a city in Eretz Israel, and it's apparent that somebody killed that person, but it's not known who killed him, the basin of the nearest city need to go to the site where that body was found, and they do a whole process which involves breaking the neck of a calf, and in order to, me- to measure who, where the nearest city is, the Sanhedrin, Agadayla, the one of 71 judges, they would send three of the Dayanim to organize the measurement to the nearest city, as that's what the mission is telling us, that it needs to be done by at least three Dayanim. Rabbi Yehuda says, it requires five Dayanim. He learns this from Pesukim again, that it uses the plural twice. So that's not just two, it's four, and then it needs to be an odd number, so five. Alright, the next one on the list is Hachalitza. There are lots of different concepts coming up in these Mishnayas, just because it's a list of many, many different cases. What is Chalitza? So the Torah says that if somebody gets married and he dies without having any children, there is a mitzvah on that man's brother to marry that man's wife, the widow. And that is known as Yibum. 
However, in a case where, for whatever reason, they don't want to, or they're not able to get married to perform yibum with each other, the widow is not allowed to marry anybody else until she receives chalitza, which is a process which they go through in Beistin. And the Mishnah is telling us that ha-chalitza, this process which is done in Beistin, in order to allow the woman to remarry a different man, requires three day on him. The hamiunin miun. What is miun? If a girl under the age of bas mitzvah wants to get married, so as long as her father is alive, she can be married mid If her father marries her off, even though she is under the age of bas mitzvah, that marriage is considered valid mid However, once her father has died, she can only get married on a midrabonon level. And because that marriage is only midrabonon until she reaches the age of 12 years old, she is able to dissolve and leave that marriage even without receiving a get by going through a process of mion, where she just declares that she wants to stop this marriage. And if she does that bishalosha in front of a basin of three day on him, then that marriage will be dissolved. The next thing on the list is not talking about requiring three judges, but rather three experts in measuring the value of something. Netaravoi refers to produce, to fruit which has grown in the fourth year of the tree's life, since the tree was planted, and the Torah requires any fruit which grow in the fourth year to be brought up to Yerushalayim and eaten over there. The same applies to Umaysasheni. Umaysasheni is a tenth of one's produce, which he also needs to bring up to Yerushalayim, not every year, but in certain years, there's a cycle, but when it applies, he needs to bring a tenth of his produce up to Rishalayim and eat it over there. Now, in both these cases, it's usually very inconvenient to bring up the actual produce, the actual fruit to Rishalayim. So what they would do is they would redeem it onto money, whatever the value of the fruit was. They would bring up the money to Rishalayim and then spend the money in Rishalayim on new fruit. So when it comes to evaluating the value of the fruit, if it's she'indom of yuduin, if its value is not known, it's not a very simple defined value. For example, if the produce already started to getting to get a bit moldy, so it's not exactly clear how much it's all worth, then bishloisha requires three experts in evaluating its value so that he can work out how much money he needs to redeem the maisasheni or the netaravoi and to bring that up to Rushalayim. Ha'ikdesha is one who redeems something which belongs to the Besamikdosh, which means that he pays money to the Besamikdosh and in return for that, the item which right now belongs to the Beis HaMikdash, he would now become the owner of that item. So once again, when you're evaluating the value of that item, Bishalosha requires three experts in evaluating its value. Now the Torah writes, if somebody wants to give the value of himself or of a particular person, so one way he can do it is by evaluating how much, he would, how much the person is worth. But there's another way known as Erchen, where the Torah gives fixed values for people depending on their age, their gender, and that is a way of giving a fixed value of the person to the Besamekdosh. Now in a case where he made such a vow to give the Erech of a certain person to the Besamekdosh, but he now wants to pay up that value not with money, but he wants to pay the Erech with movable items. We need to evaluate how much those movable items are worth so that it will be in accordance to the value which the Torah gives, that he needs to pay. So Bishalosha, that once again requires three experts in evaluating things. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, One of those three people needs to be a Koyen. And Rabbi Yehuda learns this out from a Pasuk, which seems to imply that a Koyen needs to do the evaluating. And if he wants to pay the Erech with land, non-movable items, then it requires Tish of a Koyen. Nine people plus a koyen, so ten people altogether, to evaluate the land. Once again, this is learnt from Pesukim. 
And now we mentioned that there's two ways to give the value of a person to the Besamekdosh. One is using the fixed values which the Torah fixes, that's known as Erchen. But the other is to evaluate his real value, how much he would be sold if he was to be sold as a slave, let's say. How much money you would receive for such a person. So if somebody makes a vow to give that value of a person, the Odom, he makes a vow to give the value of a particular person, Karitzvahen, would be similar to that, meaning you would also require nine people plus a koyen in order to evaluate how much that person is worth and automatically how much money he would owe to the Beis HaMikdosh. Mishab Dalet. Now the Mishab discusses which cases require a basin of 23 judges. And the simple rule is Dinin Afoshais. Capital cases which involve a death penalty of basin Be'esim Shalosha require 23 Dayanim in order to judge such a case. Horevea. A man who has, who commits bestiality, he has relations with an animal. Vanirba. Or if a woman has relations, he has, she commits bestiality with a male animal. The law in such a case is that both the person and the animal need to be killed. And the Mishnah says that even when we're coming to kill the animal, even that requires Be'esim Roshalosha, 23 judges. Shanema, as the Pasuk says, And you should kill the woman and the animal. And the Pasuk says regarding a man who does this, And you should kill the animal. We see that the killing of the animal is put together with the killing of the person. So just like the person requires 23 judges in order to kill him, the animal is also only killed once a basin of 23 judges rules that that needs to be done. Shorhaniskal, an ox, which needs to be stoned, the law is that if an ox, or any, or any animal at that matter, kills a person, the law is that the animal needs to be killed. And even in this case, it requires a basin of 23 judges to put that animal to death. Shinemra, as the Pasuk says, In a case where an animal killed someone, the ox needs to be stoned, and also its owner is killed. Now we know from elsewhere in the Torah that there's no way that if somebody's animal kills someone, that the owner of the animal is going to receive the death penalty. That's certainly not the case. So what does the Pasuk mean? The Pasuk means to compare... In the same way as the owner would be killed in a case where he's actually liable for the death penalty. For example, if he himself killed someone, so too in a case where his animal killed someone, the same sort of basin is required to judge that case. Alright, has a a wolf, a lion, a bear, some sort of leopard, this is also a similar animal, a leopard or a cheetah and a snake, all of these are very wild animals. And the truth is, if somebody sees one of these wild animals, if it is not owned by anyone, then he is able to kill it himself. He's really saving people's lives. He's saving them from the danger. However, if they are owned by someone, then according to the Tanakama, he is forbidden to kill that animal. And even if that animal has killed someone already, so we can see it's a totally dangerous animal, nevertheless, not anybody can just kill that animal. It belongs to somebody. It's his possession. We saw some Esmashalaiksha. It requires a basin of 23 judges in order to put that animal to death. That's the regular law which we just learned regarding a Sharaniskal. However, Rebeliezer says, Anybody who gets there first to kill the wild animals merits, and he's able to do so. And he's praised for doing so. He's preventing further deaths to be caused by this animal. And according to Rebeliezer, even if it's owned by someone, you are able to kill it. Rebbe Akiva says, Their death requires a basin of 23 judges. And although it seems to be Rebbe Akiva is just saying the same thing as the Tanakama, the Gemara explains that Rebbe Akiva and Tanakama argue with regards to a snake. 
that although Rabbi Akiva agrees with the Tanakama, when it comes to a snake, he agrees with the Beliezer, because a snake is extra dangerous, and therefore anybody can kill it, and we don't wait for it to be put to death by the Beistin. We've now reached the final category of Beistin, those cases which require the Sanhedrin Agadolah, the large single unit of 71 judges, who was the leading Beistin, they sat in the Beis Hamikdash when they judged cases. So which cases require such an important and significant Beistin? Says the Mishnah, in Donilo is a Shevet. We cannot judge an entire Shevet, an entire tribe, in a case where the entire tribe served Abu Dazara, and we're judging them collectively, that would require the Sanhedrin. If we are judging somebody for being a false novi, a false prophet, or if the Kohen Godel is being judged, if he violated a particular Avera for which the Beistin is judging him, they can only be judged by a Beistin of 71 Dayonim. And this is all learnt from Pesukim. We cannot bring out the people to wage a voluntary war, unless it's by the mouth of the basin of 71 Dayanim. Only they have the power to decide to perhaps expand the borders of Eretz Israel to, to, to start this war. That would require, once again, a basin of 71 Dayanim. Now, there are certain laws which apply to only Yerushalayim itself. For example, there are certain carbonates which need to be eaten within the walls of Yerushalayim. That having been said, it was possible to expand Jerusalem to include a larger area. But the Mishnah says in Mesif and Al-Ha'ir, they cannot add on to the city of Jerusalem, but Al-Ha'azaris, or if they wanted to expand the size of the courtyard in the Beis HaMikdash, they can only do that by the mouth of the Beistin, of the Sanhedrin, of 71 judges. Only they had the ability to decide these things and to carry them out. In addition, in Eisen Sanhedrin Shavotim, we cannot set up Sanhedrin Katanois, the mini Sanhedrin of 23 judges for the different tribes. Like we mentioned already, every city in Eretz Yisrael was supposed to have their own basin of 23 judges, and every tribe was supposed to have one, one which was specific to that Shevet. So to set this up, and they need to be appointed, they need to be appointed by a basin of 71 judges. Now, the Torah talks of a city where the majority of the members of the city worship Avedazara, and the Torah says that that entire city needs to be burnt down together with everybody there who needs to be killed. And the city would be called an Irhanidachas. And the mission tells us that in Eisen Irhanidachas, El only a basin of 71 Dayonim has the power to declare a city to be an Irhanidachas. And since we're discussing Aaron Dachas, the Mishnah goes a little bit sidetracked to tell us a couple of additional laws regarding an Aaron Dachas. Dachas was far, they would never make an Aaron Dachas on a border city of Eretz Israel. This is learned from Pesukim, but it's also very logical that it would make it much easier to invade Eretz Israel that way. In addition to that, there would never be three cities in the same area, close by to each other, which would all be declared as Eren and Dachas. One or two cities which are close to each other, or even next to each other, could be both declared as Eren and Dachas. But to have three close to each other which are declared in Eren and Dachas, that cannot be. And once again, this is learnt from Pesukim. Mishnah as we've already seen, Sanhedrin Gedoyla, the big Sanhedrin, which sat in the Mesa Mikdosh, consisted of 71 Dayonim, Uktana, and a Sanhedrin Katana, which was in each city, that consisted of 23 Dayonim. 
That's all very nice. We've seen that already. But the Mishnah asks, From where do we know that the main Sanhedrin has to consist of 71 judges? It's not written in the Torah anywhere. So the Mishnah explains how we know, as the Pasuk says, Hashem tells Moshe, Gather for me 70 men from the elders, from the Tamid Chachomim of Israel, of the Jewish people. So that's 70. And this is referring to the 70 people who would judge cases together with Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe would be on top of them. He would be the head of that base then. But altogether we see that there would be 71 judges. We reach the sum total of 71. Rabbi Yehuda says, Shivim. A Sanhedrin Gedolo actually only consists of 70 judges. Rabbi Yehuda interprets the Posuk, which says that these 70 judges will judge cases together with Moshe. Not that Moshe was part of the base then. When it says that they'll judge cases with you, that's just saying that they need to be on the same level or a similar level to Moshe Rabbeinu. But really there were only 70 judges, and even though we learned before that a basin always need to be, needs to be an odd number, over here, since the Torah explicitly said that 70 is enough, so over here apparently we don't need an odd number. The Torah itself said that 70 is enough, to the extent that we understand that Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't included. Alright, now the Mishnah continues. From where do we know that a Sanhedrin Katana consists of 23 judges? Shinem, as the Pasuk says, regarding a capital offense, the Shoftu Ha'edah, the Edah, which is a name sort of for a group of people, a body of people. Edah can refer to all of the Jewish people, or it can refer to a smaller group of people. So the Edah will judge, and the Pasuk goes on to say later on, and the Edah will save. The Torah is talking about an Edor which judges and prosecutes, and an Edor which saves and defends the person who is being judged. Meaning we're talking about a case where there are 10 people saying that the person is guilty and 10 people are saying the person is innocent. How can I assume? So we have 20. Now the reason why we have 20 is because we're assuming that an Edor is 10. And we're saying that we have two Eidos, but from where do we know that the term Eidos refers to a group of ten people? Shinamra, as the Pasuk says, regarding the Meraglim, the spies, the twelve spies who went into Eretz Israel, and ten of them came back with bad reports, and only two of them, Yeshua and Kalev, didn't. When Hashem is talking about the Meraglim, he says, that, Until when will this evil Eidos... And the Apostle continues, but we see that the Torah was referring that does not include Joshua and Kolev, so it must be referring to the other ten spies. So we see that the term Ada refers to a group of ten, of ten people. So we've got twenty so far, but from where do we include another three? We need to get to a basin of twenty-three judges. So for that, the Mishnah says, from the implication of the Pasuk that says, you shouldn't go after the majority for bad, meaning to make somebody guilty. You shouldn't follow the majority. Shemani, I can learn from that Pasuk, that I should always follow the, follow the majority if we are declaring somebody innocent. Imkain, if so, Lomanemar, why does the Pasuk say, that you should follow the majority, which implies that you should always follow the majority, whether to make them innocent or guilty. And yet the other Pasuk says that you shouldn't follow the majority when you're making them guilty. So how do we explain these two Pasukim? We learn from there that when we're following the majority to make somebody innocent, it's not the same as when we follow the majority to make somebody guilty. 
When you're following the majority to make somebody innocent, that's enough if it's just a majority of one. There we always follow the majority. When you're following the majority to make somebody guilty, then we don't always follow the majority. Only if there is a majority of two judges, only then would we follow the majority and pronounce the person guilty. So in addition to the Ada and the Ada, the 10 and the 10, we need another two to have a majority of two who say that he is guilty. We're talking about a case when he's actually killed. So that is 22 judges. And of course, a base and shockle, a base cannot be an even number. And therefore, we add on another dayan. So in total, that is 23 dayanim. And that is how we know that a Sanhedrin Katana consists of 23 judges. And the Peregrine Zof, Vachami Hebo Eir, Teiru Uyul Sanhedrin. How big does a city need to be in order to be fitting for a Sanhedrin? Like we mentioned before, every city was supposed to have a Sanhedrin Katana. Male the Estrim, there needs to be at least 20, 120 residents of the city for it to require and be fitting for a Sanhedrin Katana. Rabbi Nechemia says, There needs to be at least 230, Kenegad Soria Sorais. Corresponding to officers of 10, meaning Rabbi Nechemia understands that each dine of the base then needs to be considered a leader in some way. And only considered a leader if you're at least above 10 people. So if there's 20 Yudayonim, there needs to be at least 230 people in the city for him to be considered a Dayan and somebody above the rest of the people. And the Gemara also explains how exactly the Tanakama reached his calculation of 120.